Thank you, Tim. Thank you to your worship team. Good evening, everybody. Um, as Roland mentioned earlier on, we're in that series called Reimagining Church. And the reason that we're doing this series because, is because, um, as you are familiar with, are you all familiar with that thing called the broken telephone? Some of you know that? It's where you, you say something to somebody quietly that nobody else can hear, and you ask them to pass it on, and then you ask the tenth person in the row to, to say what the first person had said, and it's nothing vaguely like what uh, the message was that the first person had given them. And, and, and the reason we wanted to dive into this subject, reimagining church, is because what God originally intended for the church, along the way, starts to get lost. We start to reinterpret things. We start to look at things from a cultural point of view. And we need to and want to, at this point in time, recover what God intended His church to be like. I was amused uh, uh, reading one pastor who said the embarrassing truth was that sometimes I didn't even want to show up for the service and I'm the pastor. And sometimes people have got a lot of criticism about the church and they've got some hard things to say about the church. And, and this series, Reimagining Church, is it's our attempt to investigate. It's our att attempt at Connect to recover those things we, th we think that need to be recovered uh, when the church meets together. Now, there is a, something that God has put on my heart that I would like us to just sit with for a minute. If we can put the next slide up, not that one, the next one. That statement right at the top is hugely important. The church is not just a meeting we attend. Uh, can I say that again? It's not just a meeting we attend. People speak about, and I know the, the language that's used, we are coming to church, but I think very often in our minds and hearts, and that's happened to me as well, that church becomes a meeting we attend on a Sunday, maybe once a week, or sometimes for some of us, it's every third week. Let me say to you this morning, this evening rather, the church is a family we belong to. This is your family. Have a look around at your family tonight. You're going to see people with all kinds of different looks. They don't even look vaguely like you, but you're part of the family. That's what church is. Church is, is, is a group of Christ followers to whom we relate. The word church uh, relates to a group of people who follow Jesus Christ, and we relate to one another. That's what church is. Church is the context in which we are discipled. This is where you get discipled. It is a community that's committed to the good news, the gospel. And it's a group of people with whom we are called to serve. So let me read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It is a profound statement that Peter makes about God's people. He says, you are a chosen people. May I say to all of you here tonight, you are a chosen people. He goes on to say, you are a royal priesthood. You know, there's not one priest. All of us are priests in the church. You're a holy nation. That means we've been set apart for God's purposes. 
a people who belong to God. Friends, do you know that you belong to God tonight? So that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you know that the church is the only group of people on the planet empowered with the Spirit of God? Did you know the church is the only group of people called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? The church is the only group of people who've been given spiritual gifts with which to serve. The church is the only group of people where God is present when we meet together. It's not just us having a meeting. When we come together like this, God says, I am with you and among you. I want to ask you a very special favor tonight. Let's not go to church. Let's be the church. Now, before we go any further, we are going to ask God to do something special tonight. There is a song that you are familiar with. It's called Build Your Church. That song is actually a prayer. That song is actually a request we are making to God. And you know, we, we, we often when we think of prayer, we think about us speaking. But there are some of the songs that we sing are prayers that we are singing to God. This is one of them. And I want us to ask God to do something special tonight. To set His rule and reign in our hearts again. Let's pray for that. Let's say to God, set our hearts ablaze with hope tonight. And let's say to God, that, ask God that the Holy Spirit will invade us now. That's what that song is all about. And so we're going to stand and we're going to sing that song. And I've said to Tammy, she must just go for it until we get there. Because I, I, I don't want to preach a message tonight where nothing shifts and nothing changes. Because then we might as well just go home now. But let's start off this evening, let's start off this message by saying, God, set your church on fire. Build your church, Lord. Stand up and let's sing that as the team lead us.
right, sit. Now we're eating something. Please sit down. So the, the subject that I want to address tonight is, is why we come together and what we do uh, when we come together. And I guess focusing on the reason we meet or the why when we come together will help us to be a whole lot more intentional about what we do when we come together. So uh, one of the reasons Christ followers come together is because they are serious about their faith. That's one of the reasons we meet together like this. It's one of the reasons we meet together in life groups. It is because we are serious about our faith. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we have a description of what was happening in the early church. This was the very first group of believers who met together. Let me read it to you. And I'm going to add in a word or two, because when you get to the original language, it, has, it says it slightly differently. This is how it goes. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, they, the, here's the word that's not in the English, they continually devoted themselves. It was an ongoing thing. It wasn't once off and then they forgot about it. It was something that was ongoing. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Here's another one of those words. Everyone was continually filled with awe. When believers got together, they were filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were continually being done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they met together in the temple courts. That's the bigger gathering of people. But not only that, they broke bread in their homes, small groups, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying all the favor of the people. And what happened? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's being described in the book of Acts over here is not an attempt of a group of people to make meetings meaningful. What made their meetings meaningful is what people were doing when they came together. That's what made them meaningful. You see, something very significant had taken place about seven weeks prior to this, or prior to, to uh, sorry, seven weeks after the resurrection. And it's called Pentecost. It's called the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Something that had never before happened in history. And at Pentecost, 120 believers experienced something that God had been promising for years. The outpouring of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said to them in Acts chapter 1, You need to wait for the gift my Father promised. And that's what they did. They waited for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter 2 is not just a description of some people meeting together. It is a description of what happens when spirit-filled believers meet, meet together. That's, that's the point. And may I say this, when spirit-filled believers meet together, it's genuine what's happening. You can't fake this kind of thing. It's either for real or it's not. I saw this happen in a church some some years back when uh, 
they were trying everything they could to reach their community. They had fancy programs. They had good advertising. And after about two years, the pastor did his check through and an analysis of what was happening, and he discovered that two whole people had come to faith in Jesus after two years. And he said, the struggle I had when I looked at them is that they were struggling spiritually. In fact, they were backsliding a bit. And that led him on a journey to begin to say, this can't be what church is about. Church has to be more than that. Church can't be about the struggle over and over again, day after day, doing the same old, same old, and seeing nothing happen. And so as a church, what they began to do is they began to pray. And they said, God, we can't stay where we are. We need a move. We need to see something dynamic beginning to happen over here. And it was wonderful to see what happened to that little church when God began to pour out His Spirit upon the people. And I want to tell you, it was an amazing thing because God literally began to add to their number those who were being saved on a daily basis. I remember going to prayer meetings over there in that church. Now, you need to know, I was in another church and went to some prayer meetings over there. They were vibrant prayer meetings. I wanted to stay in the prayer meeting. That was unusual for me. And I went to their services. I just sensed the presence of God there. There was life when they met together. Just remember that Jesus wanted his followers to be filled with the Spirit so that the power and the presence of God would be evident in what they did. When believers came together, it was because they wanted to be taught. They wanted to pray. They wanted to fellowship. They wanted to break bread. The Bible uses this word, they were devoted. Let me put it to you like this. Because of what they desired, and because they were devoted to these things, the Holy Spirit kept moving among them. And I'll tell you why. Because God is not looking at how many bums are on seats. God's looking at the state and condition of our hearts when we meet together. You see, God knows where our hearts are at. And I want to say this to you. When our hearts are right with God, it, God just notices and He begins in His grace and mercy to move by His Spirit. You see, when we begin to hunger and thirst after God, something begins to shift. And something begins to change. You notice what happened? There was joy, there was community, there was generosity, there were signs, wonders, and miracles, and people kept coming to Christ. We're serious about our faith. People who are serious about their faith pray. People who are serious about their faith break bread. People who are serious about their faith want to fellowship. People who are serious about their faith want to be taught God's Word. It's an attitude change. But another reason believers come together is because they are committed to family or the buzzword. Can we move that to the next slide, please, Josh? Is because they're committed to family or the buzzword is the word community. When the church is no longer just a meeting we attend, 
but a family we belong to, everything begins to change. And I've just pulled out a few scriptures. There's one, uh, and it speaks about, in, in Ephesians 2, we are members of God's household. Go to the next slide, please. It speaks out, Timothy speaks about us being in God's household. Galatians speaks about us belonging to the family of believers. The trouble is, for many people, the concept of family needs to be recovered and restored. Because so many of our families are no longer what they're supposed to be. You see, family is meant to be a safe place where you are loved, warts and all. Family is meant to be a caring environment because there are deep-seated relationships that have been formed over years. Family is meant to be a supportive environment where people want you to succeed. Family is meant to be a place where life skills are learned from those who are more mature than you. Family is meant to be a place where you can be honest because you don't have to prove anything to anybody in family. That's what family is supposed to be. The sad thing, as we all know tonight, is the family is under siege. And the extent of the damage is alarming what's going down in families. But the beautiful thing about being a believer is that we belong to a new family, the family of God. You know, in the family of God, people have to love one another. You'll notice this, is that in John chapter 13, and these scriptures are not going to be up, but you know them. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus didn't say a new suggestion I give you. He said a new. This is his church. And if you're going to belong to his church, and I'm going to belong to his church and be part of his family, then he says this is the way it's going to happen. We must love one another as I've loved you. In God's family, people have equal worth. Because in Christ we are all equal. I'm not better than you. And you are not better than me. We are all equal in Christ. We're whatever culture group you come from, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah at last. Aren't you tired of all the divisions in the world? Come to the family of God and get it sorted out. In the family of God, people encourage one another because they value one another. Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think that means we're meant to value one another. In God's family, people minister to one another so that they can be built up. That's how it happens. Listen to this interesting scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. When you come together, everyone is a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. In God's family, people want to be together so that they can be a blessing to one another. Paul, when he was writing to the church in Rome, these words in chapter 1. I long to see you 
so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And if you follow the rest of chapter 1 of Romans, you'll discover that Paul gives a huge explanation why he couldn't make it to Rome because being together with God's people was hugely important for him. Simon Holly, who's a, who's a pastor in the UK, wrote these words. He said, we live in a society where many have never heard their father say, I love you. Do you think God is unaware of this? He is busy creating a whole new family a place filled with sons and daughters who know a new father, one who will never forsake them. God is making a new family where he can be a father to the fatherless, and that family is called the church. So we meet together because we're serious about our faith. We come together because we're family. But another reason we come together is because we're here to serve. You remember that I said earlier on the reason we are doing this series is to investigate and recover what the church should be like. And there are some aspects of service and serving that really need some attention. And I want to mention three of those to you tonight. The first one is this, is that the church is meant to be a place where people are discipled and equipped. And I say that again. The church is meant, is meant to be a place where people are discipled and equipped. I want you to look at, with me at Ephesians chapter 4 for a minute. Paul says, but to each one of us, charis, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is what he, it says. When he ascended on high, he lived captives in his train, and he gave gifts, charismata, to men. And then if we can go to the next slide, I think it is. Look at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles and to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service. And the only way you can be serving effectively is if you're equipped properly. And the only way you can be equipped properly is by the gifted people God has given to the church to do so. Imagine if I said to somebody tonight, won't you just play the piano during the worship? And they say, but I've never played the piano. No, but don't worry, just put your fingers on the keys and do this and it'll come, it'll, the sound will come. I think sometimes that's what we do with Christians. We send them out there and we say, go and do it, and they make a big hash because nobody's taking the trouble to equip and disciple us. I'm going to make a statement tonight which is a conviction of mine after preparing this message. That as leaders in, at Connect Church, I think we are spending too much time running events and too little time equipping you for works of service. We need to be equipping you more. You see, the church isn't about us. It's about all of us. What makes a difference is not me 
or some other pastor in the church. What makes a difference is when we get it that we the church, all of us, you know when you need prayer, you don't get a more anointed prayer when I pray for you compared to somebody else. That's why you see we often will ask you to pray for one another. We're doing that on purpose. Because we believe God hears your prayers as much as He hears my prayers. Another aspect of, of serving that needs to be recovered is that our attitude and approach to serving needs a serious makeover. deciding whether I should say this or not, but I think I should. No, serious. I, I really believe this thing that us pleading with you to serve is rubbish. The attitude and approach of the church to service should be based on what Jesus said and the example that Jesus set. That's what we've got to go back to. For me to plead with you to serve I think is ungodly. You are his church. He's the head of his church, and we've come to do what he wants us to be doing. Excuse me being that honest, but I've just got to say that. You know, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, it's to show them the attitude and approach they should have to serving. Listen to this, John 13. When he had finished washing their feet, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the Most High. This is the Messiah. He took off his outer garment. He washes their feet. He puts on his clothes and he returns to his place. And then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? Listen to this. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And friends, if Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, would wash people's feet, what does that say about service to you? I think that's very powerful. The third thing that I want to highlight when it comes to service and serving is that God gave His church spiritual gifts so that our service will have a supernatural element. Romans chapter 12, Paul touches a bit on this. He starts off by saying, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. In other words, be humble. That's the simple English language for that. Be humble when you serve. And in verse 6, he goes on to say, we have different gifts according to the grace God has given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. Get on with the prophesying. And it goes on. May I say, we use our spiritual gifts when we serve. No good sitting in your chair or every Sunday and saying, I've got these wonderful spiritual gifts. Makes no difference to anybody saying that. And you know when you use your spiritual gift, and when I use my spiritual gift as we serve, you know that God works for you. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is at work when we do that? Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, I planted, 
Somebody else watered. But you know what I discovered? God brought the increase. Here were different men with different gifts serving God in different ways, but God was using both of them. And we're all different here tonight. We all got different gifts here tonight. But when we serve and we recognize God has given His church gifts to serve Him, the Holy Spirit is at work and God begins to move in His church. That's what I like most of all. Please try and get away from the fact that it's not just gifts of healing and signs and wonders and prophecy and tongues and words of knowledge. That God works through all of the gifts. If you've got the gift of service, you must expect God to work because it's His gift. So often we've disqualified ourselves. Another reason we come together is to keep our focus on our mission. I think most of us have got a pretty good idea of what our mission is, don't we? It's to go and make disciples. You know what Jesus said? Go and make disciples of the nations. Well, there is the, the, if you want to connect away, it's called continuing the work of Jesus. But you know what I've discovered? The moment you do that, you will discover that there are challenges and obstacles, attacks of the enemy, opposition, hard-nosed people. There are weaknesses and fears that need to be dealt with when you do that. Where's Terry? I want to her to just tell you what happened to her the other day. She's been really stepping out in faith and wanting to minister to people, and so she had a very interesting experience. I've asked her to just quickly tell you about that. Yeah, so I've tried to be intentional about asking God to use me, step out of my comfort zone, and last Saturday morning I was just going to the shops, and as I, a lady passed me and said to the person with her, oh, my hip is just so flippin' sore, you know, and I heard that, and I instantly thought, oh, I wonder if I should offer to pray for her, and I turned around, and I said, excuse me, excuse me, so she stopped, and she said, yeah, so I said, um, I just overheard you saying that your hip is really sore, so she goes, yeah, <laughs> so I, I say, um, well, I'm just wondering if, if I could pray for you. And so she goes, oh, God, that won't help. And she walks off, and as she just entered the shop, she goes, damn. And I just stood there stunned. Just prayed, God, you're just your grace over me, Lord. And I just prayed God's blessing over her and just said, Lord, you can heal her anyway. The Apostle Paul was breathing threats out on his way to persecute Christians and what happened in his life. So I just Thank prayed you. for her healing. So... I wanted Terry to share that with you for a reason, because, you know, we sometimes hear the stories where it all works out lacquer, but it doesn't always. Sometimes you run, isn't it true, you, sometimes you run into like some hardcore stuff, and then we say, God, I'm never doing that again. May I say, it's all part of the deal. Sometimes you'll be disappointed. Sometimes people will be rude to you, and sometimes people will be open and God will work. That's how it's going to be. And we can't just have a romantic picture of this wonderful, awesome every time, because sometimes it gets tough. Now, I want to say this this evening. I've shared this for a reason about our mission. When that happened in the church, the church did not have a lecture specially prepared on Positive thinking for difficult people. 
I want to tell you, that's what the church did. Look at them. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them because they threatened them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. That's how the church responds. We cry out. We get on our knees and we look to God and we say, God, help us because it's tough going out there. And then in the, the next slide, Josh, if we can put that up. Look at that. Remember their request. Consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. And the place was shaken because God heard the church pray. I, I, was, I was listening to a message last night on YouTube. Um, for those of you who know David Platten, he was, he was speaking to some seminary students. He was telling the story of, 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 of a Christian leader who had been in, uh, in South Korea. And, and you know, there's one of the biggest moves of God that's taken place in South Korea in the last century. And, and he said this, this pastor was there and um, he was staying in, a, I think, a hotel or motel, whatever it was. And about four o'clock in the morning, he was awoken. And he was awoken to this loud roaring that was coming from a stadium that was close by. Four o'clock in the morning. Opens his window, there lights on, there's this sound, this roar that's coming out there. And he's like, what's going on? Who's having a party at this time of the morning? And he goes down the next morning to reception and he said, tell me, who's having a party here at four o'clock in the morning? He said, sir, that wasn't a party. Those were Christians praying together at four o'clock in the morning. And the believers had come together and the roar that he heard was the cry of God's people, Lord, will you move in our city? See, when the church begins to pray like this and we get serious about it, the place will be shaken. You'll be shaken and I'll be shaken. Because that's the way we respond. That's what we do. There isn't a plan B. The church needs to keep reminding itself what church is. The church needs to keep reminding itself why we meet together, who we serve, what we're meant to be doing. Because if we don't, we will fill up that time with all kinds of other things. We're going. I guarantee you that. We'll always find something to fill up some space. But we're friends. We are, we are God's church. We are the family of God. We've come together because we're serious about our faith. We're serious about the apostles' teaching. We're serious about prayer. And we're serious about breaking bread. And we're serious about fellowshipping together. We've come together to serve. We're on mission together. That's what church is. That's why we come together. Now, may I have, how am I doing for time? Okay, not too badly. Can you sing that song again now that I preach this? Build your church, Lord. I want you to make that your prayer. What we're going to do as part of that is we're going to have communion as well. Now, 
I think all of you here tonight know what communion is all about, or most of you do. When we have communion, we remember the body of Jesus that was broken for his people. That's what it's about. That's what that piece of bread is. It's not to satisfy our hunger. It's to remind us of the Son of God that allowed himself to be broken and tortured and mocked and spat on and his beard pulled out for you and for me. When we take that glass of juice, we're remembering the fact that his blood was shed for us. And fundamentally, if I can put it in a nutshell, that's why you're sitting here tonight. And that's why I'm standing here tonight, because of him. Friends, he paid the price. He shed his blood. He forgave my sin. He died in my place. And I want to just invite you to do something slightly different as we take communion tonight. We're going to do some worship together. But if you are saying in your heart tonight, I want to be the church. I want to be serious about being the church. You go and take a piece of bread and you take that cup and say tonight, Lord, what you've done in my life is for real. And I want to identify with that. And tonight we're saying, Lord, we are the church. Can you do that? Let's stand together ask the worship team to lead us. And just as you would like, please feel free to go and take some bread and juice and to pray, have some time thanking the Lord, and then uh, eat and drink that.